Welcome to Quantum Leap, sponsored by BBX. We've got some amazing content for you. Episodes stacked full of ideas, inspiration, and insights. All highly valuable knowledge to help you grow your business. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next section of the Quantum Leap Business Show. Our next speaker is a specialist in planning and strategy. And most businesses need uh, these type of input. The gentleman has been in the British Army for over 34 years, rising to the rank of Major General. He's been part of the United Nations and seen uh, duty in Northern Ireland and Bosnia. And I met him through the Evo network. And uh, what a great inspiration uh, he was. He's such an interesting character. You will love this next section. Please welcome James Short, CBOBE. So good morning, James. Good morning, John. It's nice to be with you. Lovely. On this lovely crisp day here in uh, in uh, the UK, I think it was about uh, minus two this morning. Well, the sun's shining in Portishead, so shines on the righteous or something like that. Lovely. So, James, you've had a long and distinguished career in a variety of things. Uh, so it started off with uh, the, the military uh, or the services, as we know it here in the UK. Can you just share that? what was the motivation uh, for uh, joining the services in the first place? Well, I, I went through uh, sort of an all-boys uh, education and decided at the age of 18 that I wanted to go out into the world and do something a bit adventurous. And I didn't think I really wanted to go to university at that stage and um, uh, really to go out and, and do something different. I ended up going to university, but that was once I joined the, the military. So I went to Sandhurst and then got commissioned into my regiment which was a 300-year-old um, armoured regiment, as it was at the time. Wow. And uh, so what did that uh, regiment date back to, James? Well, 1715. And the strange thing about it is that since that uh, year, um, the, the regiment has had continued to go back to Ireland to, to do various operational military duties over a period of 300 years. And so certainly when I ended up doing several tours in Northern Ireland, I was merely con continuing the tradition that uh, had, had preceded me for 300 years. Wow, okay. So you rose to the rank of, is it Major General? Major General, correct. And can you share the highlights of that journey? Well, I think the highlight has to be commanding my regiment because that's when the, the buck stops with you always in a leadership position. But uh, when you're with your regiment, you are very, very close to the front line and you are there alongside your soldiers. And we had two particularly challenging uh, operational tours, one in Bosnia and, and one in Belfast. And as an armoured regiment, we actually were on the streets in Belfast, not in our vehicles, but on our feet. And we had, um, on average, about two life-threatening attacks a week because it was in the period running up to the uh, Easter agreement, um, the Good Friday agreement. And uh, it ended up with actually one of my corporals earning a military cross when we were ambushed. Um, and he ha actually happened to be a, a, a corporal in, in my particular um, organization. 
and um, uh, and that was a, a, a super achievement. So it was uh, that has got to be the highlight, I think. Yeah. So you, you've been to a few scary places around the world during uh, some of those times, as you just uh, mentioned, um, and obviously some harrowing uh, episodes during that. It's a little bit uh, no different uh, to running a business, except no one's shooting at you if you're running a business. But uh, when you're running a business, you've still got a plan and keep strategy and and uh, keep safe. So how, how did you put together plans to, uh, to strategize? And then I guess as a follow-up question, when things go astray as they do, uh, how do you cope with that? Well, uh, I'd like to start off by saying that that having uh, been in the military for most of my life, I left and then started my own company. And I absolutely take my hat off to anybody running their own business because they talk about courage in the military and sure, you, you've got to be uh, courageous when there's sort of bombs and bullets flying around. But that's nothing to the courage that you have to do when you're putting your life and your livelihood and your family's uh, well-being on the line, making decisions in a company. But the... Um, the, the, the real way to do it is always to plan for the future. Now, do plans survive first contact with the enemy? No, they don't. But the act of planning is absolutely essential. And of course, that's what I had to do. And you asked about a sort of a, a harrowing um, uh, uh, operational commitment that I had. And that was actually in Iraq, in, in Baghdad. And this was in the period when uh, it was after the second Gulf War. And I'd taken a NATO team there to help put back some of the security infrastructure that had been taken down by the Americans in their debathification process. And of course, there we were dealing with people who, who just had had everything stripped away from them. And we had to put that um, mechanism back. And of course, there we had to come up with a plan. We had to have a strategy to, to, uh, to, to deliver this plan. And we, and we had to deliver it actually on the spot when it was actually pretty dangerous. And we were ambushed several times there, but luckily no uh, serious injuries. So we were very lucky. Um, but I would just commend any business who are facing a crisis and we're all facing the, the COVID crisis and soon to be the aftermath of that as the, as the vaccine comes in, um, is to plan for the future. And it's all very well saying, oh, it's too uncertain, I can't do it. Well, that's no way to move forward. You, you do know your business, and therefore I encourage people to plan their way through to a successful future. I talk about James uh, being nimble and agile in business. So, yes, you have a plan, but if uh, something comes along, and I think Mike Tyson summed it up well, everybody's got a plan until you get a punch in the face. So, you know, when, when COVID comes along, it's the punch in the face. No one can foresee that. So if you've got a good plan, do you have any suggestions on how do you cope with being a little agile or nimble or, you know, keeping the focus, but uh, coping with what's hitting you in the face? Well, when I'm talking about planning, I'm not talking about a business plan that sort of gets you money from a bank. I'm talking about planning where you're actually going to deliver against a set of objectives that you have set yourself, understanding the marketplace in which you are in. Now, nobody can foresee what the future is going to hold, and it's ever been thus, but that doesn't stop people from planning. And certainly in the military, the way we used to maintain flexibility was to have what we called a left of arc and, and, a, and a right of arc. You know, what is the worst case scenario unlikely to happen, we hope? What is the best case scenario also unlikely to, to happen, actually? And so somewhere in the middle. And the act of planning 
means that you think through some of the issues which will enable you to take a sort of a left of, of, of course or right course, um, depending on what happens. And that's where the leadership piece comes in because the leader is responsible for making the decisions to move off the course that you've planned in, in, the, in, the, in the business plan that you have, in the action plan that you have. Does that make sense to you? 100%, 100%. That's a good thought for people to, uh, to, to take away and ponder on, because I'm sure most business people don't put enough thought into that uh, particular piece in running the business. James, uh, running a business uh, can be a lonely place at times, a little bit like uh, being in the services and being away from family and whatnot. And sometimes the family doesn't always understand if you're in business working long hours and uh, what have you. Um, so did you use any strategies or anything else to keep the family in the loop when you were away for long periods of time? And how can you relate that back to running a business where your commitments are, are long and arduous at some, some points? Well, I think that the, the important thing is to differentiate between the money side and the people side. I mean, clearly you're in business to make money and people should make no bones about that. But in order to make money, you have to have the right people. And if you don't nurture your people correctly, then they leave and they go somewhere else. And certainly in the military and, and in business subsequently, uh, we always put people first and foremost. And the, the, the whole uh, pressures that they have are, are completely different to that which you experience in either the military or the business environment. But nevertheless, that sort of support that you need is very, very important. And certainly in the military, uh, we used to have a sort of a, a family's welfare um, package for any time we went on operations that looked after the wives, the children, and we, we took great pains to make sure that communication was as good as it could be. And of course, when you're way out in the, in the, in the field somewhere, that's not always very easy. Um, and it's not easy in business when you have lots and lots of pressures and you don't have time. But I would always advocate making time to communicate with those who support you. And certainly when the pressure comes on, I've been very fortunate in, in my life. And, and in fact, uh, two days ago, we uh, had our 45th wedding anniversary, but my wife's been there to support me. And I've had some horrendous decisions to, be, uh, to make. And when people's lives are at risk, and I'm thinking, well, what happens if I get this wrong? People are gonna die. Uh, and, and so to have a, an encouragement from friends and family is very, very important. But, dis, but business decisions are incredibly difficult, especially in this time that we're facing at the present. So I encourage people to, to look outside to their support mechanisms, family, friends, outsiders, uh, and just check their, their sort of status and make sure that everything's all right and make sure that all the people in the organization are also uh, nurtured because mental health is 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 a is a key issue. Yep, wise words and uh, and uh, more so even today with uh, with COVID and whatnot. James, you spent a bit of time after the services with NATO. You must have met some uh, interesting people uh, there. Uh, who was the most in, in, interesting person that you met during that time, and uh, why was that? Well, actually, that was while I was still in the military because I just worked with NATO because, as you know, you know Britain's part of the NATO organization. Um, but the, the most interesting person uh, who, who absolutely confirmed what I had already probably known 
but he was ruthless about it, was somebody called Admiral Gimbastiani, who was the head of something in NATO called Transformation Command. And we were going through a period of transformation, as many businesses are doing today. And his absolute golden rule was clear communication. And I can remember I was doing a presentation in, in Washington to a, a large number of, of ambassadors. It was probably the most senior audience I've ever spoken to, so I was terrified. And uh, we, we had sort of uh, visual aids to help us, but uh, I was uh, put on my, my metal because somebody who was presenting beforehand, um, who Admiral Jim Bastiani was his boss, put up on a, on a slide an abbreviation and was promptly fired on the spot. Because he said, don't expect everybody to know what the abbreviation means. If you cannot communicate clearly, I don't want you working for me. Out. So I thought, oh, my God, I'm next up. You know, what's going to happen? Um, but, but fortunately, I mean, what he did was absolutely uh, um, sensible in that if you don't communicate clearly, how can you hope to get your message across? You can't. And you've got to focus on, on, on making sure that everybody understands what you say. And actually, I did work in my past in the cabinet office where we prepared briefings for the ministers on the assessment staff. And there, um, one's ability to write clear, concise, unambiguous English was challenged the whole time because I would write this thing and think everybody will understand that. And then somebody from uh, MI5 or, you know, GCHQ or something, because we were putting together intelligence pictures, uh, would say, no, 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 that's not what it says. And then we'd argue for the next three hours about a couple of words. So clear communication is absolutely vital. And that's what um, Admiral Jim Bastiani taught me. That's interesting. And, uh, and that's uh, very, very apt for business and all forms of life, I guess. So talking about the Cabinet Office, if, uh, if you're advising the small business minister who uh, we might send a copy to after this, what would you advise him or her to be doing with uh, the small business sector at the moment in light of the current situation? Well, I think there's got to be recognition that the small business sector is what keeps this country running. I mean, yes, the big corporates are there, but a lot of their profits, etc., go elsewhere. But it is the livelihoods of, of everybody in, in, in what I would call sort of middle England, you know, in England and Scotland, etc., who, who, who deliver these businesses that, that help the country run. And uh, I think that the, the support the government has given is great, but some of it is not just grants, it's loans, and they're gonna have to be repaid. And, and certain companies I'm aware of have just taken some loan money and are sitting on it and not doing anything with it. And I think there was a story in the Bible about sitting on talents. Um, and I think one shouldn't do that. And so what we've got to do is make sure that business stays open. And certainly where we live, there's a huge encouragement to, to trade locally because they're the people who are hit hardest. Um, and so any encouragement that the business minister can do to, to uh, make businesses stay open, uh, then, then that's what they should do. But of course, it works both ways because if ever there was a time for, for businesses to innovate and to think creatively and do things differently, it's now. And yet some businesses I am fully aware of are like rabbits in the headlights say, well, we've got enough money. We'll just, we'll just wait till the vaccine kicks in and then we'll continue as normal. Well, those sort of businesses might well okay. be forgotten when people bounce out of this and business starts to, to grow again. 
and 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 there's a great deal to be said for customer loyalty and those businesses that have thought innovatively and done something different and reached out to their customers and say right we can still support you but in a slightly different way those are the people that will succeed and anything the government can do to encourage that i think is a good idea okay very yeah very good so james you are awarded uh, both cb and obe uh can you just walk through briefly what uh, that meant and uh, did it change your life in any way well, the, the, the OBE is, is very special because uh, that, that was sort of as a result of the Northern Ireland tour that I mentioned earlier, when one of my corporals got a military cross for capturing one of the gunmen, the IRA gunmen, who actually attacked us. So as you can imagine, that was a pretty fraught night because um, commanding officers don't usually get ambushed. But anyway, so the OBE came as a result of that tour. And so that's very, very special because the regiment are, are, are my family my extended family and so to have that it wasn't what I did it's what they did as part of of my team and so that's that's very good and I think the the CB the companion of the bath came about as a result of creating for NATO its first strategic level training organization and that was a case of be careful what you say because it will come and revisit you because I briefed uh, on, a, on a big NATO exercise, which I was running. I briefed a lot of sort of defense ministers and people like that and said, and I said publicly, I think it's very strange that NATO, the world's most successful security alliance has no uh, training organization to speak of. So, you know, three days later, my phone went and, and my boss said, uh, you better put your money where your mouth is because you've got to deliver what you just said that you were doing. And, uh, and we did it. And, and that, was, that was a huge challenge. And I wish many, many times I'd just shut my mouth. And <laughs> I wouldn't have had any gray hair now if that had happened. But, uh, but anyway, it was successful. And it, it ended up with us producing an organization that, that trains the NATO headquarters that went to um, Afghanistan and, and, and did, did that job. Yeah, interesting. So you've retired twice, and yet you're still now back involved with uh, with your group now. Can you just explain why you've uh, retired twice and then not, and then briefly what you're doing now? Well, I, I retired from the military and wanted to do something totally non-military, so I started up my own company, which do much of what this company, HGKC, who, who I work for now, do. Um, but then after sort of eight years of running that, actually through the 2008 financial crisis, which was an interesting time to run a company, um, then, then my wife decided we'd go and sail around the world. So, so off we did. So a year's sabbatical, which was sort of going to be a two-year sabbatical, turned into a five-year liverboard. Um, and so, so I sort of left my, my company. And, uh, and then we, we actually sold the boat last year and, uh, and came back ashore for family reasons because when we started we didn't have any grandchildren and now we have five so so it's sort of certain pressure to be around um so we're now the proud possessors actually of a volkswagen pop-top camper van so so we we've got a land yacht um but then I, I then i decided i had to do something to stay active and and quite honestly our ability through hgkc to help people by acting as a sort of a sounding board uh, based on experience which is non-threatening, non-judgmental, just to help people because we've been there. We've, we've, we've sort of done it. We've, we've faced those crises. So let us help those that haven't. And so that's the sort of the mantra that, that, that we uh, we espouse. Yeah. And so keep me busy. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. 
So um, I noticed that you involved yourself in the charity sector. Can you, uh, you, you must get a bit of satisfaction from that. Can you just share that well, uh, briefly? Yeah. I mean, that's something that during one's army life, because we sort of moved around every couple of years, we were never really in a one place long enough to devote ourselves to something charitable. So again, when I left the military, I was fortunate to be asked to be uh, chair of the Jesse May uh, organization, which is a charity which helps children with life limiting illnesses. And so for five years, I did that. And it was immensely rewarding because even though one can't, you know, Pro prolong life longer than it's going to happen we could actually make life a lot better for for these these children with desperately um, difficult illnesses and so i, I got a, a lot of um, pleasure and, and i'm still an ambassador for them and i i talk and i raise money for them uh when i can so um and that gives me a huge satisfaction uh james we met through the evo group would you might just uh, share with our audience how that might help uh uh business in general well certainly business at the moment uh it, it comes back to this communication thing i was talking about earlier because along with people and finance the other third uh leg of the stool in my book is marketing and you need to be able to tell people what you're doing and certainly when lockdown came along uh, i'd just been asked by jamie breeze who who runs the evo to to um run a group in, in Western Supermare. So I thought, well, Western doesn't always have the best of reputations worldwide, so let, let's really change this. And, and it is a fantastic place and a fantastic place to do business, but we need to tell people about how good it is. So we started up this, this Evo network in uh, the Winter Gardens. And then of course, lockdown came along, so we all moved online. And actually it's been immensely successful because we've looked at business challenges and we've got the experts from the Evo membership and outside to say, right, let's address a problem that we're all facing and let's come up with a solution or some solutions or ideas for a solution. And that's what we've done over the last now eight months or whatever it is. And, and it's great fun and I enjoy doing it. And if, if I can help businesses to be successful, then that's what I want to do. Okay, uh, interesting group and uh, look forward to doing some more stuff with Jamie and uh, you guys there. Uh, James, what practical advice would you give to business owners who want to develop their leadership uh, skills, particularly in the time of crisis? Is there a couple of things that stand out? Well, uh, I mean, leadership is, is very difficult and, and th there are lots and lots of different styles of leadership. And I am not one who says that, you know, leaders are born and not made. You, you can make leadership. That's what Sandhurst is all about. But interestingly, the motto at Sandhurst, serve to lead, has stood me in good stead. And certainly when I joined my regiment, which was sort of cavalry regiment, it was an armored regiment, but came from the cavalry traditions. It was, you feed the, the horses first, the men second, and yourself last. And that sort of um, real way of living ha has always been with me. And so in terms of leadership, the, the, the difficulty is, first of all, you have to accept that you have the ultimate responsibility for making the decisions and changing them when they're not working. That is the challenge. However, you need to listen to people because le leadership is also about listening. And I've never thought that I was a leader who knew all the answers. I mean, very, very far from it. So whenever I had uh, difficult challenges, then I had a team around me who were not 
yes men who say yes and no so three bags full but they were people who i respected their opinions i respected and they would give them freely in order to be successful for the organization of which we were part and so my my sort of strong advice is first of all plan and there's no such thing as not having an action plan to take you through the next six months a year because we're not going to be out of this for, for some time to come and the next thing for the leader is to decide um, how to deliver that plan, put it into practice, because um, if, if, if you just sit on the fence and do nothing or don't make a decision, that's even worse than a wrong decision. At least if you make a wrong decision, you can recover from it. Um, but uh, that's what a, a leader has to do. And it's not easy. If, if it was easy, we'd all be multimillionaires and, and we're not. But what we can do is we can succeed and help each other. And that's where a network like Evo comes in, because you do need help from the outside. And that's what uh, leaders can also do is reach out and get that help that they require. And, and don't be afraid to do it. It's not a sign of weakness to do it. But what uh, is a sign of weakness is if you sit on the fence and don't make a decision. James Short, it's been uh, a wonderful uh, privilege uh, talking to you today. and. And uh, I know that our uh, people that are watching uh, this out uh, globally will get some great uh, benefit. Uh, and thank you very much uh, for your time. And uh, uh, it's been, been, as I say, a privilege and, and uh, uh, we've had an enjoyable time here and some great stuff to take away. Thank you very much. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. And, and please remember, I'm just an, an ordinary guy. I'm, I'm nothing out of the ordinary. But I have had some experiences which, if I can pass on and help people, then so much the better. But thank you very much for inviting me to chat to you. And, and I wish you every success in the future. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to make a quick note of anything you found particularly useful. Join our LinkedIn page at www.linkedin.com slash showcase slash quantum leap business show to keep up to date with news, content and forthcoming events.